God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. You got your Bibles? We're going to turn to Acts 13. We're going to read 2, verse 2 and verse 3. Hallelujah. Praise God. I appreciate the Lord speaking to Sister Emily. They got themselves a team. And uh, we mentioned to her when she talked to me about it, it's better not to start anything and start and quit. Uh, you just better not to do it. Well, it wasn't the Lord's will. It wasn't this and it wasn't that. It is God's will. The devil is accuser of brethren that you miss God and he's a liar. Sometimes we've got to persevere. So I'm excited about this this morning. We're going to title it this morning, Called and Sent. Every person in the kingdom of God has a calling. And everyone that has that calling, God wants to send you. Talking to Sister Donna Gandhi a little bit Wednesday night at church service and was impressed about her faith. I have read some articles before where people was called to go to the mission fields and didn't have no money. Packed and went to the airport and didn't have anything, just there at the airport. And all of a sudden, somebody come up to them and said, The Lord sent me here to pay your airfare to the mission fields. God is such an awesome God. When he calls, he sends, and then he provides when we have faith in God. So let's watch this right here. Acts 13 and 2. As they worshiped the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, or the Holy Ghost said, when we pray, we ought to hear the voice of God. We ought to hear the voice of God speaking to us. He said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Ghost. Some people, is like the man that run and told David about the war was going on. He said, but what about my son Absalom? He said, I don't know about that. He just got up and went. We don't want to just get up and go. We want to make sure we heard from God, and we heard from God. God wants to send us. And I'm not talking about he's going to send you to the mission field. One of the greatest mission fields you're ever going to work is right here in your hometown, Jerusalem. Then Judea. Then Samaria. You branch out after that. You begin to branch out. Everyone has a calling, and everyone is sent to someone. Sent to someone. As Brother Kim brought out in the Sunday school class this morning, we are the child of God. All of us are. We are a body. You say, well, I'm too young. We'll cover that this morning. The Scripture does. Well, I'm too old. The Scripture covers that too. It's not about your age. It's about the price of God in your life. It's about the voice of God in your life. Samuel hadn't been born, but his mother played a major role in his birth and what he'd become. 
major role. He was laying down by the presence of God or by the ark of God. I forgot where it is. I think it's in 1 Samuel, somewhere along in there. When they stole the ark and carried it and put it in the old day God and everything just fell down. If you read that carefully and just keep reading, everywhere they carried that ark, the presence of the Lord destroyed their enemies. I'm talking about the enemy that's trying to destroy Israel. You got a God that's going to destroy your enemy before you ever get there because he's got a message that he wants the world to hear. And it's going to have to come from who? Me and you. It's not going to come from nowhere else. Angel's not going to do it. We got to do it. So Samuel was laying beside the ark asleep, and he heard the voice of God. He was yet young and didn't know the voice of God. Sometimes young Christians, I've been there, I've never walked that road, don't know the voice of God. When you hear the voice of God, you don't know it is God, and you don't know how to react to it. But as years go by, you'll learn how to react to it, and you'll learn how to be familiar with the voice of God. You got friends that calls you on the phone. You don't have to look at their number, do you? You recognize their voice. So Samuel had to learn to hear the voice of God and then react to it. I don't care how old you are, you always should be eager to learn the voice of God. So we have Samuel, young. He was called and he was sent. And the Bible said every word that ever come out of his mouth came true. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful? We'd be so close to God, walk so close with God when he speaks, and what we speak comes true. The reason it comes true, he didn't speak anything except what God told him to speak. And it came true. So you're never too young. You might think, Sister Emily and them, I don't know really how old they are, probably in their 30s. But you're never too young to hear the voice of God and start carrying out what God has for your life. It's not about your strength. It's about him and what he can do in an individual. So we have the young there. And Jeremiah said this in chapter 1. He said, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How many are glad that God knew you? Before you ever got here, he knew all about you. He had a plan for your life. And it goes on to say, and before you were born, I sanctified you. He had a plan here. And I ordained you a prophet to nations. You said, Brother Billy, I'm not going to nation. This is your nation right here. This is the greatest field you'll ever work is right here right here. Well, I want to be a missionary. Brother Sam mentioned to us the other day, some of us were talking, he said that word missionary is not in the Bible. And somebody said, well, how do we ever get on this then? He said, I don't know. We adopt some things that is not in the scripture, but we adopt it. And I guess evangelism. How many know everybody's called to do what? evangelize. Maybe that's a better word, to evangelize. He goes on to say, I've made you a prophet and don't say I am too young. 
Don't say, I can't. Don't say, I'm not able. It is God that makes us able. Paul said we're made able ministry by the Spirit of God. Able ministry. God may just lay it on your heart one day to call somebody. I read an article one time that Joel Olstein wrote. He said, I was so discouraged and down and out. He said, I went through the list where the people within the hospital, and I just picked that one at random and called that number. So the young man answered the phone and told me what kind of shape he was in, but said, when I got through talking to him, he encouraged me because of his spirit and his attitude. Listen. And I, I, we are in troubled time, but these troubled times ought not to be affecting our spirit. There's something, I'm, I'm going to be open with you. There's something wrong with our spiritual walk with God when we're allowing these troubled times to expect and affect our spirit. We are to change the things that comes in our lives. If the spirit of God in that ark destroyed their enemy and they wasn't there, how much more so is the spirit of God in our lives going to destroy the enemy that tries to come in our lives? Hallelujah. And I want you to know that God is with you when you don't even know he's with you. He's fighting your enemy when you don't even know he's fighting your enemy. God has a plan for your life and my life while we're here on this earth. So he said, don't say that. Well, Brother Billy, I, this and that, this and that, and this and that. Abraham worshipped idols. Worshipped idols. But one day, he heard the voice of God. I want you to notice that the ones that God used in the Bible had nothing to do with their background. It had everything to do with God's ability to change their lives. Amen. Sister Pam and I, We've heard that he made idols. We both looked and looked and looked and never found that nowhere. Is that right? But I read in a Jewish Bible where the Jews believed that he did make idols. Can't be proven, but his father did make idols, and he did too. But even, even if that's true, God came to him one day. He said, i got a plan for your life. It's not here. I'm going to use you. If God can use someone that's 75 years old, worshiped idol, didn't know anything about God, didn't know anything about hearing the voice of God, all he knew was about worshiping idol, but one day God broke into his normal routine. Are we ready for God to break in our normal routine? And everybody knows the story about Abraham. But you know, I believe it's about Genesis 15. Where God told Abraham, said, I want you to walk before me. I want to see how you're going to walk because I'm going to bless you. When we walk before God and obey what he said do, he is going to bless our lives like we've never seen and expected before. When we walk before God, we got Samuel that was young. His mother had gave birth to him. He was birthed in the mother's womb because of her prayer. You and I have the ability to birth other people. We have the ability. I intend to get with Gene and Keith. I'll just go ahead and say it right now. I want a picture 
of all their family members together where I can look at them daily. We need to learn to have a mental picture of who we want to pray for and visualize. Without a vision, we perish. If we don't, can't get a picture, we can't get it done. If I was to go back and bring you the plans, them plans are about that big around, about what, four foot long, that took to build this church. Somebody had to have a picture, put it on a piece of paper and give it to us to put it together. When we begin to visualize and have a picture of what we want to pray for and we'll see what God wants to do, I don't have time to give you scripture for all that this morning because that's a little strange to some of us. But we are ready for God to break through on our normal routine. Is that right? Breakthrough. A breakthrough. So he's 75 years old, worshiping idol, but God called him and began to use him. God is able and willing and desire to use the young to the oldest. From the youngest to the oldest. From the wildest to the wildest. We might be surprised what God's going to bring through this church and other churches, people out there. It doesn't matter whether they're on drugs or alcohol, what kind of disease, whatever they got, God is more than able to break that off of their lives and set the captives free. Whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Something good is happening, and we're going to see the results of it. We're going to see the results of it. The children of Israel were called to come out. Said, you've been going around this place long enough. Running things used to be a television show years ago. This one guy's name was Rerun. Y'all remember that? Are are y'all remember that? Sister Pam, you remember that? Yeah, you smiling real big. Rerun. There's things in our mind that just keeps rerunning. Rerunning. It's a waste of time. It offends God. We need to call on him to come to the rescue and get that out of us. The Bible said speak to the mountain. That's not a mountain out yonder. It's the problem that's in our personal lives that we just keep rerunning it. We just keep running it over. Just keep running around and around. It's a waste of time. It offends God. He said come out from there and turn north. Go toward the north. The word north there in the Hebrew means you go toward where the power of God is. And when you get where the power of God is, he will anoint you and bless you, and you can break that yoke off of your life. He destroys the yoke. When our mind is not on Christ, that's a yoke. That's bondage. We're still in bondage when this mind is on this all the time and we're not on God. We're in bondage because it's hard to hear God from that thing and those kind of things. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that an awesome statement? I'm going to build my church. If you read the book of Acts, and you read church history, you and I are on a picnic. 
I'm telling you, we on a picnic. We, we, we think we got all these kind of problems, but you on a picnic. You eating steak and gravy and all that kind of stuff compared to what they went through. But Christ is greater than our problems. They had revival in the worst kind of condition. They saw their loved ones saved and brought out. They saw this done and that done. I know we probably heard a lot of stories over and over, but one of them was Joe Arrington, great big guy, been in, around church, come to church faithfully with his wife. When I got in the church, he was there every time I was there, but he he just there. And when the Spirit of the Lord would get to moving, he'd get up and go outside to ward off the Spirit of God. This is his own testimony. If that didn't do it, he smoked a cigarette. And when he smoked that cigarette, the Lord would leave him. But this one particular night there on high school lane, I didn't see it, but he testified, said the Spirit of the Lord was on me so strong, I done like I done before. I got up and went outside and the Lord didn't leave me. Walked between the car and he didn't leave me. I smoked a cigarette and said he didn't leave me. I said I come through that back door and one of them saw him. Said he come through that back door with both hands lifted up, walking down that aisle and surrendered to God, fell in the altar and received you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was already an old man. Listen, I want you to think tonight. Get a vision tonight. Who you want to see come into the kingdom of God, sister? Aaron and her daughters had probably prayed for him for years. But he came in and surrendered to God because he God is greater than what they are and what's bothering them. He's greater than what's bothering your mind and tormenting you. He's greater than that. He's greater than that. Amen. I want to see people come through that vestibule out there, fall on their face and perceive the Holy Ghost. They did, when if you ever read the book, The God Chasers. Well, Brother Billy, that's just one time. That's one time because we make it one time. God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He wants to see the captives set free. He's the only one can do it, is the Spirit of God and the blessings of God. So we're going to see great things. How many believe we're going to see great things? We've got to believe it and see it and speak it. Jesus came after 40 days in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. 40 days being tempted of the devil. When our minds get tormented, we're being tempted of the devil. You say, Brother Billy, how do you control that? Same way Jesus did. You quote the word to him. Now, here's the catcher. He came out of the wilderness full of faith and full of power. Oh, church, we ought to come out of the worst of situation full of faith and full of power. He did what had in him is in us, that we can come out of that like never been seen and witnessed before, the things of God, what's happening Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. They're just not going to prevail against it.
What does a salmon fish do? They swim, right? Somebody said it. Who said that? Upstream. Under some of the worst currents. And if you watch some documentaries on one sometime, they swimming up over a fall. They got a call in their life. God has put something in their life. You got to get to your destination of where you can spawn and bring forth new life. I feel God is saying to me, you got to get to a destination where I've called you. You got to learn how to swim upstream. And you got to get to the place that I want you to be where you can reproduce new life. And on the way up, you'll watch a documentary. What happens at one of them major rivers? Anybody know? You ever watch one of them documentaries? What happens on their way up? Say it out loud. The bears, brown bears and grizzly bears is waiting in that water. ready. Listen, when we try to move up in God, the devil is going to be waiting on us and ready to get us out of that thing and devour us, but we're going to be the one that's going to slip right on by. We got a calling in our life. We got a destination to go. We're not at our spondence place yet, and we're not going to stop until we get to our spondence age because we want to bring forth new life into this world that's to bring the fullness of God. You're going to meet some bears. You're going to meet some troubles. Oh, glory to God. Praise God. Paul said, I was the greatest sinner. I, 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 he said, I was the greatest sinner. He made havoc of the church, Sister Linda. He was out to destroy the church. He'd been doing it, putting the people in prison. Some historian said he was the one that had them pour wax on them and burned them like candles, fed them to the lions. Looked like God would have just zapped him. How many are glad that God didn't zap you when you was in your worst of condition? But on the road to Damascus one day, on the road to life. How many have met God on the road of life one day? I know, I know Brother Ken, he was raised in the church, but he really didn't meet God to one day in a motel room. That's where he really met God. Oh, God wants us to meet him to have a change experience in our lives. It is believed the Apostle Paul was the greatest apostle that ever lived. He called Peter, James, and John the chief apostles. They're the chief apostles. But said, I do not come behind any gifts of any of them because God, since dying, had changed his life. Now he became the greatest soul winner that the world has ever seen. God has the ability to change anybody and everybody. Now, in Acts 13, as we read there, Paul wasn't there on the day of Pentecost. Neither was Barnabas. They wasn't there. They didn't have that awesome experience on the day of Pentecost. It didn't happen to them till 11 years later. 11 years after the book of Acts 2, 
Paul met Christ Jesus. So this old saying was only for them. Acts 2.39 said the promise is unto you. And Brother Don done mentioned up here, all of us, all things. I'm amazed how many times it says in the Bible, all things belong to you. All things. Eleven years later, he met Christ on the road of life. How many met the Lord on the road of your life? And he changed your life. And if people will say, well, there's only 12 apostles. There were. There's only going to be 12 in heaven. But you read the scripture, Barnabas was apostle. Paul was apostle. What does apostle mean? Sent one. Somebody that is sent. Now it says here, the Holy Ghost says, I want you to send out the ones that I have called Paul and Barnabas. I want you to send them out. They anointed them, prayed over them. But the Bible said the Holy Ghost is one that sent them. Scripture says thou art unexcusable, old man. Because what God has done for others, he'll do for you. Don't we know a song like that? Then we used to sing one like that. How many remember what this place, Sister Sue, I know does? How many of you remember what this place looked like before we started up here? Huh? Peggy's friends and them come from Houston. She was telling them about how we got this property. Brother Clyde gave it to us. And of course, we had to purchase a few acres. And they said, well, we want to see it. We want to see it. Come up here and... They broke out crying. Is that right? Just, just, just broke out crying. Just walking around crying, lifting their hands up. Lifting their hands up. Stay with me, please. Don't let me lose you. The first thing happened, I won't go into all the details before it could ever get started. A dozer had to come in here and do what? Huh? Huge trees. I was at a conference a few years ago, Branson, uh, Missouri, and a man from Arkansas preached it. He was an evangelist. And he went to this church, and they were needing a pastor real bad, and he said, well, I'll help you to pray for the Lord to send you a prayer, send you a pastor. They said, we appreciate it. But while he was there, Brother James, he was praying. You want to tell me what the Lord said to him? Anybody want to tell me what the Lord said to him? He's in earnestly praying, God, give them a pastor. God said, hush, you're the pastor. I, I'm evangelist. I mean, you know, we, a lot of times our prayer is not to get things from God. It's to advise him what he ought to be doing, you know. 
But he said, you the pastor. No, I'm evangelist. He said, you the pastor. So he told them. First sermon he preached, half the congregation got up and walked out. Most all the real money people walked out. Said, I was destroyed, distraught. Didn't know what to do. I called the place I was supposed to evangelize next and told him, said, I can't come. I'm destroyed. I just can't come. He said, you made an obligation, a commitment to me, and you're going to live up to it. I'm not letting you out. You get up here on the date you spoke. I can't come. You come. And on the way to the airport, he was so distraught, he didn't know what to do. How many are glad for a, a wife that advises you? Sometimes you, <laughs> you don't really like it. But we need to put our listening ears on good buddies because sometimes they got something to say. She said, what was your father? He said, well, he was a construction builder. He built houses. What's the first thing he did? Well, he brought a dozer in and cleaned it all off. He said, that's what God has done before you get started. He cleaning it all off and getting ready. And he said, while I'm preaching this here tonight, so the church has grown from little or nothing to 3,000 today. When God is obeyed and the flesh dies and letting God be in control instead of trying to advise him, that's not your calling. That's not what you want to do. Paul says this. Are you all ready for this? We have no rights. He said the clay. He said the clay has no rights to advise God what to do. Jeremiah said he's the potter and we're the clay. And sometimes we're in his hand. He has to break us. Hello? It says that. And sometimes when he breaks us, it's to break us into a greater vessel. But he don't need my advice to do it. So, one must be a builder. Let's go back to the first. Well, not the dozer wasn't the first thing. It's some other things that take place first up here. And then um, what happened next? Concrete people come in and begin to pour the slab. Then the steel workers come in and put all this steel up. Y'all getting the picture? We're called to build. If you're building, you're going to be able to see the results. You'll see the visible results. You've got to see it up here. You got to get in here before you ever see it. We come up here one morning, was going to dedicate the building. Just had to steal up. And Brother Clyde's bull, Sister Sue had got out. Do you remember that? That bull had got out. We found him standing right over in that corner. He had he knew what to come to. Listen, we ought to know where to go to. And I'm not necessarily going to come here, but you've got to go to God. If God can call a bull to get out and come here, you can imagine what's going to happen. The point we're making here, faith, you can see it. If you've got faith, you can see it because it will be building. It will be growing. It grew. 
It grew. This kept growing. If we're Christian, people must see us growing. And I'm not talking about the building side. I'm talking about seeing us spiritually, mentally growing in the kingdom of God. It has to be a visible. I may preach that one day. How important to see the visible things of God in your mind before it ever happens. Before it ever happens. How many believe that God is really glorious and great? Can you imagine being locked up in an ark? I forgot how many days. How many days was there in that ark? Anybody know? Can you imagine being locked up in there for all that time with all that cattle? Y'all never had no cows. You never had no pigs. But God provided for them. God will provide for us when we obey him. When there's a building going on. You see the things of God. Barnabas and Saul were sent out. Acts 2.39, as we quoted it, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Good to be about my father's business. In Luke 4, he said, The Lord, or my father, has anointed me to heal the blind, set the captives free. That's my father's business. To heal the blind, set the captives free. That's the Father's business. He said, I got to be about my Father's business. Sometimes we spend too much time in the wilderness. We spend too much time wasting. I know God had revealed to this to me the other day. You're spending too much time when you worry about something. That offends me. That offends me. You need to see construction going on. My father has anointed me for the purpose to carry out his business. We are anointed people of God to carry out his business, to carry out his business. When Jesus cast, or God cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean out of the Garden of What did he do? He put an angel with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life. Inside of us is a tree of life. And God has charged angels to guard our lives, to protect the tree of life that's living inside of us. I want to close on this if I can. This young preacher went to this community. He was out visiting everybody, getting acquainted. He went to one of this farmer's house, had beautiful big barns, white fences, just a beautiful place. The man was sitting on the front porch rocking. A young man introduced himself and sat down. They had a conversation. And the young pastor said, the Lord has really been good to you, hasn't he? He said, he sure has. So he said, awful good to me. He said, you can look around. You can look around and see the goodness of God. But he said, young man, 
you ought to have seen it when God had it all by himself. God cannot do anything without us, and we definitely cannot do anything without him. I'm talking about spiritual things. What would it look like without us working for God? How blessed we are. If I could sing, I'd sing you a song. We are blessed for the calling of God on our lives. So God bless you. You have a calling. I think I got the Holy Ghost, I believe, in 1960. I think I was about 22 or 23 years of age. I didn't start pastoring until I was, I believe it was 49 when uh, somewhere along there. All that time. Listen, I had three or four prophecy over me that I was going to pastor that church. Did I do it? No, I didn't want to. That wasn't what I had on my mind. Peggy didn't want to. She didn't want to marry no preacher. She said, I didn't intend to marry a preacher. But God took a hold of both of our lives. God has to take a hold of our lives. We have to surrender to him. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about our plans, what we want to accomplish. It's what he wants to accomplish. God bless you for being here today. God bless you.